Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Vega is a two-piece pop-infused rock band consisting of Joshua Wayne Hensley and Garth Mason. Based in South Bend, Indiana, the Rutabaga began some 15 years ago as a solo outlet for Hensley's fragile yet strong songwriting. In 2011, he connected with Mason, a multi-instrumentalist and sound engineer who has bolstered the Rutabaga to become this mighty, beloved musical force. In the summer of 2016, Comedy Minus One released the band's excellent record, Unreliable Narrator and the Rutabaga have been playing select shows ever since, including upcoming October dates in South Bend, Chicago, and also in Matawan, Michigan. Here now to discuss some of these things are Josh Hensley and Garth Mason of the Rutabaga. Uh, hi, Josh. How are you? Um, just peachy. How are you doing, Vish? I'm well. I'm well. Thanks for being on the show. And Garth, how are you? Wonderful. Thank you. It's great to have you both on the show. I'm a fan of the band. And this record, I want to talk about this record because it, it be you know for what it's worth, high rotation in our household there for a chunk of the summer. Thank you. Yeah, we get we get six dollars every time you say that, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to say my my wife liked it, my kids like it. Sometimes it's hard to find consensus with a record, but everyone in my household, from thirty eight years old to two years old, almost almost two years old, seem to seem to like it. 
Are there are there any other records that that you can think of that fall into that? I'm just curious yeah, what our competition fella, is. A, <laughs> I understand. I understand where you're coming from. There's a there was a record by a guy who was also on this show, a guy from uh, Vancouver. His name's Jay Arner. Okay. He made this really uh, fun pop, kind of complicated pop record. A little bit of noi in there, but really like beatly pop structure thing and my my boy just fell in love with that one awesome yeah that sounds like something that would be big here too yeah i think you would like it actually you should check it's called j2 and uh yeah it's very good i don't mean to plug jay but he's it's great i you know one of the things that actually like one of my favorite things about about this band is just getting turned on to like really good music from i mean just all the time it's it's one of the best parts of the band for me because i'm just constantly blown away by like just so much good music so thanks <laughs> well i'm happy to uh, maybe recommend some stuff and i mean uh, yeah it's i mean you don't need I'm to go overboard is... or anything we've got <laughs> you know we're busy guys but <laughs> i i'm starting with one one record J all, right, all right j2 i think you would like it based on what i know of the rutabaga i think you'd like it all right we'll awesome. check it out yeah absolutely all right now, Garth, I'm going to start with you here because I don't exactly know where you guys are. Where are you right now, Garth? Uh, we're down in the basement. Um, it's not. It's like a, just a, a home basement studio. The Bad Breath Club is what it's called. Yeah. And you can tell that just by smelling any of the vocal mics. Ugh. <laughs> this is your basement, Garth? Yep. Uh, and, here, and we're in what South do you Bend. Do exactly? you, are you a recording engineer by trade? Uh, no, uh, I mean, just, just, uh, uh, amateur weekend warrior. Yeah. I do mostly live sound these days, uh, for extra money, but I have a day job just, uh, working at a help desk. Oh, okay. That's not as fun. Super exciting. Yes. <laughs> and this basement of yours, this basement you're speaking of, is it in South Bend, Indiana? That's correct. Yes. Okay. Now, Josh, I don't know. Are you from there originally? Basically, I was born in Elkhart, which is about 30 miles east of here. And I don't know very much about this region. I don't know if I've ever been there. Is it uh, it's like a farming and industrial town or was? Yeah, it's it's uh, I mean, this is where Studebaker was like and they closed shop in the 60s. And then this area has kind of been like at least close to South Bend. It's always kind of been in recovery ever since. Um, I'm not, I'm not originally from South Bend. I, I grew up in a very, very small town, uh, called Napanee and there's actually a Napanee up in Ontario. In fact, that's correct. Spelled slightly differently. Uh, but anyway, the, um, so we're from the next County over, which was like mostly industrial, but yeah, it's industrial and farming. Like pretty much everybody around here is working in a factory or working on a farm. Now, South Bend's a little different. It's a lot more service-oriented. I don't know. Really fascinating stuff. <laughs> now, does does the, the, the Studebaker factory left in the 60s, and I understand that uh, people left South Bend to move to suburbs and stuff, uh, but that uh, in recent years, things have been on the uh, things have been on the ascent, right, in terms of the town, in terms of economic uh, development, stability, that kind of stuff. It's It's looking up. Is that right? Yeah, it feels that way. Um, we've got a, a our mayor is uh, uh, for Indiana. This is kind of an odd thing, but he's uh, 
one of the first uh, openly gay mayors in this whole region. Uh, I think the New York Times uh, did a um, an article about him, calling him the first gay president, uh, potentially. And uh, so that's that's pretty cool. But he's been like he's been you know he's a younger guy and he's just been I think he's been like kind of a, a, a driving force at least even if it's only symbolic like it just seems like since he's come to be the mayor like things have really turned around and it, you know it could be coincidence but he certainly is a good symbol for progress in this area so a lot of the credit of that goes to him I would say he's a really cool guy a great musician too actually it's strikingly what's handsome. his what's his name oh, mayor man. Pete and yeah. we're not we're not gonna say his last name because it's difficult to pronounce I think it's Buddha judge uh, and that's really embarrassing that I'm I was I was afraid you're gonna ask that when I started talking about <laughs> way to go Garth yeah it's I it's pronounced there it's spelled B U T T E G I E G I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's call him Mayor Pete yeah, for the purpose of this Pete. interview. He's a really cool guy. I don't want this to turn into a spelling bee. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, <laughs> well, that's that's very fascinating to me because you know we are uh, confused in the world about Indiana because of your governor, oh Mike Pence. Hey, he's. I, w- I think he's pretty much gone now. So yeah, we're actually. He's he's the rest of the country's problem now. Well, yeah. I mean, we're kind of kind of happy to be rid of him i guess at least we are like a lot of the northern indiana is is different from the rest of indiana i mean it's i mean indiana is definitely a red state but um the far north especially here in gary um it's definitely a lot more uh left-leaning i guess i mean i don't want to get all super political but yeah uh, our uh, governor is just as bad as a lot of other Midwest governors like uh, Snyder and um, Scott Walker. Scott Walker. Ugh. Yeah, I don't. It's weird. I mean, my understanding about South Bend, it's got a relatively high African American population. It's generally a bastion for Democrats in terms of this election, this presidential election. How are you guys feeling about the mood of the city? How are people? Do you talk much about what's going on? I know you said you don't want to get super political, and that's fine. But I just am curious because you're there because one of your guys is. Running for VP. I know he's not your guy, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. come on now. Watch <laughs> it. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about the general tone and mood uh, as you as you walk and talk with people in the streets of uh, South Bend? Uh, I mean, I, I think we're probably similar uh, in a lot of ways in that we're, you know, we're s- surrounded by a bubble. And, you know, in some ways, even whether it's your friends online that you interact with or, you know, the people you hang out with. And so it and I mean, it's hard, I think, to to speak of the tone of the city, but it, it seems like there are a lot of people that are progressively minded and, you know, people that are open minded. And, you know, when you when Mike Pence comes out with these ridiculous things about, you know, um, he's trying you know, to ban <laughs> the immigration currently. That's his current thing. Yeah, and just horrible things against the LGBT community and things like that. You know, there are a lot of people that uh, rebel against that and are like, "Hey, you know, this is not what Indiana is all about." Um, so, you know, I, like I said, we're probably somewhat in a little bit of a bubble, but it it feels more progressive than I think Indiana as a whole comes off as. 
that wasn't a very good I mean, sentence. are you? Uh, this guy is clearly embarrassing for you. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, he was. He, it's not just because of his, you know, alliance with Trump. Like he was embarrassing well before that. Um, and he wasn't. I mean, he, you know, he was like kind of like a lower level Rick Perry or Scott Walker, I suppose. Can occasionally getting headlines for, mm-hmm. you know, his like what was it a year ago with that, you know, that LGBT thing that he was. Uh, I mean, like I was, you know, the pleasing thing though too is it was really excited to see like all the backlash that he got from that, and mm-hmm. I, that I take that as being, you know, pretty positive signs of progress. Yeah, when you when he enter when someone like that enters the the, the national or international stage, it's just increased scrutiny on their past. And uh, I mean, I didn't know of him before, but the the horror stories that you, that have come out, and I mean, he had like a radio show. He was like a talk radio show host, right? Sure. Yeah, actually, I, that, that's you. You might be more uh, educated on his past than we are. Okay. Yeah, because I'm I'm trying to pay attention to everything. It's always it's fascinating to me because I know that uh, some people in your position who are are artists or creative people, uh, I, I'm getting kind of a vibe when I engage with Americans on the show these days that some are interested in talking about it. Uh, about the situation, about the election, about uh, the mood of the country, about whether or not what Trump and Pence are representing, whether or not that's actually a surprise uh, for them. Like I say, I get people who want to engage with it. I get people who are like, I don't know. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really looking for answers. I'm just looking for experiential insight. I mean, you're living there as this is happening. Right. And uh, so like I, but I appreciate that you don't necessarily want to talk about it. Um, and I, I don't want to press you on it. <laughs> no, you, I mean, it's for one, I, we don't really claim to be the, I mean, at least I don't claim to be the most educated person mm. on these matters. Like, um, I try to pay attention. I try to follow, but at the same time, sometimes it gets really disheartening. And so you kind of just need a break from it and focus on your, on things that you do have under your own control. You know what I mean? As far as like, I mean, Josh, I think really hit it on the head, like, there's so much bubble now, like it's weird how connected we all are with, you know, because of social media and everything. But at the same time, like, you know, if you've got some Trump supporter on your Facebook, you know, they're probably not going to stay in your newsfeed very long. You know, if, if you need to keep them as a friend because they're a family member sometime, or something like that, you're probably going to end up blocking them because you're just like, ugh, what is this guy doing? And really, yeah, I mean, I... I'm even less informed than Garth when it comes to political things. You know, it, it it's it's not something that I've ever felt like I've had a really good handle on. But I I just feel like this current situation comes down to so much more than right versus left or Republican versus Democrat or whatever. It's, it's like, almost like a good versus evil or something. It, it really is. It's I mean, you, you think. You know, just watching movies about the Holocaust or Nazi Germany and things like that. And, you know, I th- I know like when I was growing up in school learning about things like that, we had discussions and I would even, you know, think to myself, how would I have responded if, you know, if I was alive at that time, you know, and, and or, you know, if I was an adult at the time and um, you've got this leader that comes out and it, how does it get to the point 
where you're just openly hateful, uh, you know, and I don't know. It's it's strange times for sure. Yeah, and I I can appreciate what you're saying about taking a you almost have a better uh holistic view of time and space like you kind of are engaged with history but it's almost hard it's it's kind of difficult to determine the impact of now. <laughs> I mean, you you're just dealing with it day to day but you don't really understand the significance maybe or maybe appreciate the significance of what's happening. Uh, as we go here, like as we're living our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, are people going to look back and go like, you know, why why didn't you speak out against this horrible fascist at the time? <laughs> you know, you just said like, I don't I don't like to get into political discussions on Facebook and things like that because most of the time it just seems like it doesn't go anywhere. When there's opposing point of view points of view, it just seems like people are. Are, it's so rare when you see a thread and it feels like anyone took anything from it or grew at all. It's just more just, you know, people spouting what they think and and getting angry. So it's not That's, something that I tend to, to tend to like post about. But I also feel like like I, <laughs> I don't want to look back and, and be like, oh, this guy, you know, you know, just just sat back and and didn't do, didn't do anything and now this horrible situation is here and <laughs> the racist and xenophobic people of the country rose up and and uh you know it's he why didn't he post about it on facebook or <laughs> yeah. yeah there's a kind of helplessness i mean you talked about social networks and bubbles and and how i think you were kind of hinting at the fact that you might if you set up your social network in a certain way you live in a kind of echo chamber, you know, mm-hmm. like-minded people saying the same things. But every once in a while, you get that outlier who's against most of what you believe. And maybe it's a, a high school friend or something that you added and you didn't realize until something like this happens that there's a whole other perspective, uh, even within your social network, right? Right. It's kind of a weird thing. I mean, I listen to the music of the Rutabaga and I hear a certain urgency, and I, I think a lot of it is tied up with uh, feelings of joy. But I think there's also some fear in there. I think there's also some just, just this insistent need to express oneself. And you know, Josh, you're saying that you don't feel like the most politically in- engaged person, but I feel like in the songs, anyway, that I've heard, y- you are engaging with the outside world on some level, right? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think that music is is something is a it's a realm where I feel a lot more comfortable, um, you know, expressing myself and and engaging. And I don't know, it's it's such a a big part of my life. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's. I feel much more comfortable <laughs> writing a song about feeling weird about how things are right now than than uh, getting into a heated uh, political post online or something like that for sure and has that has that has that happened in this climate have you been writing songs that kind of reflect what's going on I think a lot of the songs that I write are are maybe more personal I, I mean I hope they're vague enough that that anyone can can get something from it um, I do have a brand new song that just kind of uh, that we haven't recorded or, or anything um, that 
maybe speaks to a little bit of that. Just uh, uh, just feeling really conflicted. Actually, it's funny, like we're talking about this bubble in the echo chamber, like, you know, part of it is contrasting, like, um, my gratitude and, and love for the people that I'm surrounded with um, and, you know, versus this the hateful climate and the you know just these horrible things that you that you continue to see happening um you know in our country and throughout the world so um yeah anyway <laughs> i mean you you're you're taking these kinds of uh, events these situations what's going on and you're you're personalizing them which i think a lot of most artists really that's what they're doing uh but does that give you any insight into those situations like is it a is there something kind of almost therapeutic about it uh, to to sit down and write a song about something that's going on in the world um yeah i i suppose uh it's it's definitely like songwriting when i don't know when songs come out it it's like one of the one of my favorite things in the world is just to have a a new song that that comes together and um or just any like the act of creating things and collaborating with with people that you trust on it just feels like sometimes it feels so hopeless like there's so little you can do to to make the world better and those like little pockets of creation and you know going to a show and having uh like a communal experience with with other people like those those little moments just um make life a little more <laughs> more uh worthwhile yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i get the sense that uh a lot of people feel helpless these days whether they're in positions to let's say uh write a song or maybe they're in a position where they can legislate something you know but then they encounter some kind of obstruction or obfuscation of what they want to achieve it, there's a lot of hopelessness <laughs> there's a lot of like trying to overcome someone you know kind of stalling progress in the world it seems it's it seems to be one of the things that's i think being highlighted by this this election and this process because uh, there's a lot of blame that seems to go around uh, about why things aren't better than they are and it seems to circle back around to well yeah we wanted to do a thing but then this other side, there was a wave of resistance and we couldn't do anything. And I feel like you, maybe as a songwriter, you're negotiating not that specific wave. I'm not talking about just government stuff, but you're, when I say there's urgency and, and, and joy and fear, there's a little bit of pushing against resistance, right? For sure. Well, I mean, one of the things too, I mean, like, you know, there's there's a general feeling of like hopelessness and, and really like... I think dread and unease is maybe even a better description because like when people give in to hopelessness and it just, you know, you, you start making decisions like, well, I don't give a shit. We're all screwed anyway. So let's just do for right now. You know what I mean? And, and I, I feel like that's, that's kind of a poor place to be making decisions from. So it's, and I, I don't feel like anything in Josh's music is ever hopeless, but I certainly understand where he does create a sense of unease. And, and I think that's okay. You know, I think it's okay because I feel like, feel like he kind of somehow like is able to bring it back, 
you know, where like there is like I, I mean, there is some sort of uh, like light at the end of the tunnel with all of it. You know, it's like, OK, things are kind of dark and whatever, but we're still going to get there. We're still going to get through this. and We're still going to have, you know, uh, important, meaningful and, you know, uplifting experiences in our lives as we keep going forward, even though it may seem it may seem hopeless, but it's not like it's and it's it's a tough balance. You've got to got to you're walking on kind of a bit of a precipice on these things. Right. Yeah. And I think one of the things you can do in the face of hopelessness uh, is make something. And in your case, you guys made a band. And uh, Josh, I, I guess we should start with you because this this endeavor, I believe, if I understand things correctly, started with you. Can you, Josh, tell us the story of the Rutabaga? Where did this band come from? Yeah, so um, like early 2000s, probably like 2001, around there, I was in a five-piece band at the time here in South Bend called Space and Noise Productions, and uh, it was... It was a, a really, it was a band I loved a lot, and it was a, you know, we were really good friends, and, you know, I'm still friends with those guys, but um, there, I mean, there was some tension, I think, within the band, and also, like, I don't know, it just, like, I started writing these weird songs um, that didn't quite fit what we were doing as a band, and I had been recording, I had, like, a four-track cassette recorder that I had borrowed from uh, from a friend and had started recording these songs just mainly so I wouldn't forget them but it, it was also just kind of a fun thing to do I've always enjoyed uh, recording stuff so yeah after after a little while I had like a basically like a 10 or 12 songs that were that were recorded and I <clears throat> I had a, a friend, Mark, who runs a label called Johan's Face Records out of Chicago, um, and I had sent, uh, I just sent the songs to him and just to kind of share them with him, and he was like, hey, I want to put this out, and um, so, yeah, so we just kind of worked out the details, and I um, decided to call it the rutabaga because my when I was a little kid my dad used to call me the rutabaga for some reason um and uh and so yeah so that was like the first rutabaga it came out on cd it's called cobus green and um I was yeah so I I did a couple shows to like promote the or you know like cd release shows and I just at the time felt was just a lot more uh, uh, drip, feeling more driven to focus on that stuff and more excited about it than what the band was doing. So, yeah, so I kind of... <laughs> the band broke up. I mean, I, that wasn't the only thing going on, but um, we kind of put things to bed there and I started focusing on doing stuff as the Rutabaga. Uh, it Right, you're saying it was basically creative differences. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> that works. Just trying to make sure. I'm trying to trying to sum up where you were coming from with that other band. Now, your your father called you the rutabaga. Do you have any idea why? Did it was it like the way you looked at an ultrasound, or did you, do you have other characteristics of a rutabaga? Do you smell like a rutabaga? I, do you taste like a rutabaga? What what? Why would why are you the rutabaga? 
Uh, I mean, I've asked him this, and and he doesn't really he doesn't remember either. I know, like sometimes when we would play, like we'd play basketball or things like that, he'd call me Josh the Squash, and I think it maybe evolved from that. Um, sorry, I'm starting to do that thing where I end every sentence as a question, and I I can't stand that. I'm gonna consciously <laughs> st- I'm gonna stop doing that right now, Vish. <laughs> are you sure you want to stop doing that <laughs> oh wait i am asking you questions i'm the interviewer i can't actually mimic that but i understand where you're coming from don't sweat it i i, I think if you don't know something that you're reciting it's it's uh normal for your voice to raise at the end there it's like i don't know why i'm doing this do you have do you have like an effect or something that like in post-production you can turn those into statements <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah okay. it's uh Auto statement. <laughs> Auto statement plug-in. New for right. Antares. Good, good. It's a it's a it's a root vegetable. The rutabaga is is a root vegetable. I don't want to fixate on your name, but it is an unusual I mean, did you ever think of changing it? And then I'm not suggesting you should <laughs> a million <change> times. <laughs> um Yeah, I mean definitely when when Garth and I first started playing together, which that was like early two thousand eleven. Um we we had that conversation like okay this is a you know this is a change this is if we're going you know if the name's going to change this would be a good time to do it um and we just really didn't i mean we didn't try very hard to come up with anything better but my vote was for the uh the swedes mm, yeah the swedes yeah mm. but okay why this why well, in uh, I think that's the what if in uh, in England that's what they call rutabagas. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're trying to do a little, yeah, not quite a punt. Yeah, you know what's funny? You know what I think is sort of funny. I mean, you might not think this is funny, and it's probably been pointed out to you before. But you know, you know what rhymes with the rutabaga is the Studebaker. Ah, uh, the sewer baker. No, no, Studebaker. the Studebaker. I kind of slurred. You were right to call me on that. <laughs> the like- Studebaker, the car company that your town was most famous for is called the Studebaker. Now there's a band that's very famous on some level mm. from uh, South Bend <laughs> called the Rutabaga. I just think, I wondered maybe, and I obviously you've never thought of this before, but I wondered if it was some allusion to that maybe. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was all it was all planned. It was a plan. Okay. Like we were the Studebakers, but we're like, no, that's too on the nose. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> <laughs> it's also funny that it's just singular. It's the rutabaga. There's not several rutabagas. Yeah, <laughs> rutabaga and the sprout. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> Garth, uh, how did you first encounter Josh and his music? He Josh sort of outlined where he was coming from. How did you first encounter him and uh, and his songs? Right. So, um, uh, it's funny. So he mentioned Space and Noise uh, Productions. So I actually recorded their first uh, demo. Did you guys record anything after that? Nothing that was released. Okay. Yeah. So, I, yeah, that's how, because I was doing, like, uh, I've been doing the basement studio thing for quite a while. And, uh, and like, what, late 90s, I think, is when that was, or something like that? It was 2001 when we recorded. Really? Yeah. Okay. Or 2000, maybe. Yeah. So, um, so that's how we met officially. Like we we're, you know, like it's a, it's a smallish town and the music scene isn't huge, but so you get to know people and you kind of like, Oh, this guy's got a studio or this guy's got this and this guy's got a PA and you know, you put things together and, and, uh, and so he, I believe he approached me like, Hey, would you be interested in doing this? And I'm like, 
Absolutely. Most of what I was doing at that time, like in this area, there's a lot of, there's like a disproportionate number of punk bands. So that's mostly what I was doing. So I was, I was pretty eager to do something a little more outside of that, even though I was also like really involved with a lot of those punk bands. It was just, it's ready to, you know, kind of stretch myself a little bit. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, and I'm really proud of how it all came out. Um, but it's but it's funny too because he mentioned um, Johan's face, and I believe you guys met playing a basement show together. In Gar's in a basement, band. yeah. yeah. I used to, we used to do basement shows at, at my old place, and um, and his his label guy, uh, 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 Mark Ruvalo uh, from Johan's Face, he was in a band called the Atari Star, and so they played a show together, and that's how they met originally and so then he ended up doing the rutabaga on that label which i've always thought was kind of cool that it goes back and i mm-hmm. was actually ob- obliquely part of is obliquely a word anyway he get and garth gets royalty any right. any of those six dollars yeah everything is six dollars yeah <laughs> well good for you that's quite uh, that's some business acumen there <laughs> so then we fast forward a number of years and you know he was kind of in the Rue Vega always doing that and then kind of doing other projects as well and it would kind of wax and wane and I was doing the same sort of thing where I was you know continuing to play in uh, mostly punk bands and stuff like that over the years and then in 2011 we had this mutual friend that uh, passed away actually uh, Josh's wife uh, was very close to him and so we went to a funeral together and we thought, well, let's start hanging out more and started kind of just coming down here in the basement and just making music and mm-hmm. messing around and that sort of thing. And, and then Josh got an offer from another friend for a Rutabaga show who was he was he had moved away and had a different band and mm-hmm. was playing in the area and asked if he wanted to do the Rutabaga. And Josh was like, sure. And then he guess well i shouldn't speak for you but yeah you really shouldn't <laughs> but uh, yeah it's just to jump in quickly that yeah i had been asked to do that a show as the rutabaga and since we had been like having dinner on thursdays and then we uh you know we would end up in the basement um playing just playing music and farting around and uh so i was like hey you want to you know, I'm I'm gonna do this show. Do you want to play drums? And let's try and work out a set. And Garth was down for that. And that was kind of that. Yeah, that was the first show that we played together as a two piece, as the Rutabaga. And we we're just like, oh, that's right. pretty good. You want to keep doing this? And so we did. Mm-hmm. 
That's how it went. Now, Garth, you're kind of a musical jack-of-all-trades, right? You do a bunch of stuff? Yeah, I cringe at the use of the word multi-instrumentalist. That's that's so evil. <laughs> so evil. I'm sure it's on our bio, but ugh. Cringy. <laughs> why, why is it... Uh, did I say that? I might have said that, but why, why is it evil? I did say that. I just looked at... I said multi-instrumentalist and sound engineer earlier in my introduction but you you don't like that i i you don't know, qualify you know, look, as either of look, those things john solomon was supposed to contact you and give you a list of things that you weren't supposed to say to us and you <laughs> clearly is over. it's over we're done oh my god i'm sorry i didn't uh, realize this would be so insulting to you Why, i i've not heard of anyone feel do you feel like it's ostentatious you don't feel like you are worthy I think so. of the, the term multi-instrumentalist, or do you just think it's too vague? It just seems, honestly, it just seems a little poncy to me. Uh, no offense to anybody that uses that term to describe themselves, but I'm mostly a drummer. I just Poncy or, or multi-instrumentalist? <laughs> <laughs> Use the term do you, poncy do you, to How many instruments also. do you play? Um, I mean, I play drums mostly. He also plays keyboards. He also plays bass. He also sings. Uh, I, don't also, do, I don't do anything. I don't. I don't do any of those well. Little known Garth fact: he he's also a, a ukulele player. Oh man, and, no one yeah. is. Oh, I'm, no one so must to, know. Just to just to just to clarify, uh, it sounds to me like Garth that you play multiple instruments. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you can't see it, but my face is beat red right now out of embarrassment. I mean. In shorthand, one might want to call you um, <laughs> a multi-instrumentalist. <laughs> but I'm not That's good at means. anything but the drums, and I barely consider myself good at that. That's fine. You have some modesty issues that we can work out after the show. I just think... We'll do that on this show, you, and you will save me so... Because, you know, this is America, and we have to pay for health care, and I have a copay right. for all my therapy visits. <laughs> We'll get through this I think now. you need to... I've been through the same thing. I do it all the time. People are like, oh, you know how to do a certain thing. I'm like, I don't really know how to do it. I just make it up as I go yep, along. Exactly. That's where you're coming from, isn't yeah. it? You're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I couldn't explain what I do to someone, but that doesn't discount the fact that you know how to do it. I guess. <laughs> all right, session over. We won. We yeah, I think, win. Uh, I'm getting him I think a, you're cured. I'm getting him a multi-instrumentalist t-shirt for Christmas. <laughs> I wear it like folded up like a dunce cap. <laughs> Garth, you said something in that um, uh, spiel there about uh, South Bend having a disproportionate amount of punk bands, which I, I found interesting. But I, I want to call back to something I mentioned earlier uh, about the, the demographic population of the city, as I understand it, and that it's a relatively high African-American population. Is the Is the punk scene, is the rock scene... Uh, fairly diverse? Is it fairly integrated? Is it mostly white kids? What's going on with that? It's definitely the latter. Um, it's, I mean, so, okay, so South Bend is, I mean, it's, we also have a very large uh, Hispanic population as well. So it's a very diverse community. And that's something that we're, I, I think is, I think that's great. Um, especially for, you know, being in Indiana, uh, which is not so diverse, but um, the, the punk scene was like much, much bigger, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And it's, it's really pretty, uh, it's pretty much, you know, there's just a few left now and it's not quite the same, but no, honestly, you know, the, the punk scene was never really reflective of the diversity in the area. And, you know, to be honest too, you know, we do live, 
uh, like uh, the neighborhood I live in is pretty integrated, um, but I think as a whole there's a lot of uh, segregation in the town. Uh, and I don't know if it's it's not. I mean, it just kind of I don't know how it worked out that way. It just did. Um, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, the the punk scene was never uh, super reflective of that of the diversity. But there were, I mean, there's, you know, similar to a lot of places, you know, you'd have some women that were involved and some uh, some people of ethnicity and, and that happened and, and that was great. Um, but yeah, that's always been a little bit of a bummer. Right. Okay. No, I appreciate your, your uh, candor there. Uh, and I, I'm just curious about it myself uh, because I, I just wonder how we we in in Canada around the world we hear a lot about uh racial divide racial tension in american cities uh you know if you follow the news there are many uh conflicts between police and primarily african american communities and uh is it a relatively peaceful uh place uh, where you live south bend has had at one point we were the highest unsolved murder capital of the us for several years i believe uh, may need to fact check that uh, as far as how many years that was the case. Um, I, I feel like there was, you know, some institutional racism on the part of our local police part department at one point in time. I don't know if that's still the case. I, I try to, you know, again, like local news is sometimes a bit of a bummer, so I don't always watch it very often. Um and I also have had so many experiences where people have been involved in newscasts and the, the story has been gotten so wrong that it's just like, and these guys are like, I don't know if I'm getting accurate news at all anyway, you know. Um, yeah. So in, in that regard, um, I, I don't say, I don't think there's, uh, I mean, I might not be the person to ask about that. I mean, okay. I, I feel okay. like... Okay, no, that's fair. That's fair. I just, I'm just, uh, just trying to get to know where you came from. Because we talked a little bit... Uh, where you come from, rather. Because we talked a little bit about your, your musical uh, origins there. Um, but I'm, I'm also curious about influences, because I've read in, in the bio for the Rutabaga, you know, there's mention of, uh, Josh, you loved uh, Neutral Milk Hotel and Guided by Voices and, and artists like that. Were there local things in Indiana uh, that either of you... Uh, would suggest were particular benchmarks or things you are proud of in terms of you know musical entities that came out of South Bend or or Indiana generally. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's it's interesting because a lot of uh, we we've got some friends that are in a band called Body Futures from Milwaukee, and they they put out a or they had stickers made recently that said. My favorite music is made by my friends. Am I am I quoting that right, Garth? Yeah, it's 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 right there. Oh, he's got it right over there. Yeah, um, and that that's definitely been uh, been my experience. Um, some of my some of my favorite songwriters are are good friends of mine, or you know, even like my um, my brother in law, Emily's brother Nate. Uh, you know, he's been doing he's been making incredible music for you know for um since i started going to shows i mean that was actually how emily and i uh met was at a show that space and noise productions was playing with with nate's band at the time they were called don't shoot i'm with god and uh garth yeah garth recorded them at one point too they were they were incredible um 
my uh, one of the guys from Space and Noise Productions named Jared Myers. Uh, he's one of my best friends, and he he's gone on to record and and I mean he he has a ton of stuff that wasn't released, but he put out a an album with some other friends called Daytime Volume, and uh, that that album's fantastic. Um, trying to think like historically, um, I don't know if you want to jump in, Garth. If there's any any anything particular that you would want to mention, uh, there's yeah, yeah. I mean, there's like there's just so many good bands. Um, that's one of the things like that I liked. Again, I mentioned this at the very top of this, but just one of the things I like the best about being in this band in particular is that you know we've just played with so many other good bands. It's it's just uh, like. You know, I I know that at one point in my life, uh, and I know other people have, have said this too, like sometimes playing shows seems like a bummer for them because they have to sit through a band they don't like, which I think is, you know, that's kind of a kind of a jerk thing to say. But, I mean, I certainly understand, you know, if there's a band that's just brutally awful, then you have to kind of sit through that and be respectful. Uh, but like, since I've been with, uh, playing in the rutabaga, that just really hasn't happened. Like I really look forward to playing with new bands because I've just seen so many really good and, and creative and interesting new music. Uh, I mean, it's just going on everywhere. Like this is, it's a surprisingly great time for music, I think. Uh, and for that Garth, you're welcome. <laughs> you uh you meant you mentioned some local influences there uh i'm curious because just because of where i'm from and what i've heard in my life i picked up on some well i, I don't want to say that you knew this uh in any case but i i hear some what i would describe as canadian indie rock influences in your sound i do, do you are you familiar at all with or are fans of any particular Canadian uh, I've artists? I've been to Canada. <laughs> um, I mean, I I love Sloan. Um, I uh, some of the weaker than stuff. They were Canadian, right? They are. Or yes, they were. Or, yes. Yeah, propaganda. I mean, yeah. Uh, no, some of the weaker than stuff. I really uh, like quite a bit. I mean, the Neil Young's okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Will Shatner. My favorite Canadian band is actually uh, somebody that nobody has ever heard of. It's this band from Vancouver uh, called Weed, and uh, and I, I know that maybe that maybe that sounds like a kind of a Vancouver name for a band, but uh, man, they are super super good. They have an album called Deserve, and it's on Bandcamp, and everyone listening should definitely check that out. It's it's been out for a couple years, but man, it's just so good. Such mm-hmm. a good band. Weed? They're called Weed. Weed. Yep. Weed. W E E D. Okay. I don't know Weed. I don't know Weed. I you mentioned Sloan and I hear a bit of that in the band and I I also hear a little bit of Eric's Trip, which I don't know if you know that band. Yeah, not I'm well I uh, familiar but not super familiar. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm just projecting what I hear onto your sound and that's just the thing we do. I mean, there's lots of stuff going on in the rutabaga's uh, music. So I just picked a couple of random things. Do you do you have a general feeling or 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 or, or perception of Canada uh being where you're from? It's it's very warm and fuzzy the feeling I have. <laughs> You've not have you been up here to play? Not to They've not together. Difficult, right? Um yeah, uh 
actually did a well Emily and I did we played a shortly after we got married we played North by Northeast in Toronto um and that was that was awesome that was really fun that would have been I think 2005 um but yeah Garth and I haven't been across the border yet you guys got to get up here we would love to it's uh I've heard they. I heard the laws have changed in the last few years. That has made it extremely difficult for uh, low-level bands like us to make that. Though I feel like, like I, there was just, a recent think, development, though, and I feel like that got is yeah. They rolled a, that back. They rolled that back. Oh okay, man, that is awesome. Yeah, you should come because we're we're also the home of a very uh, prominent and excellent and unique two-piece band, a band called the Inbreds. I don't know if you know them, but they also did remarkable things. They were drums and and bass, and they but they just the uh, the bassist Mike O'Neill would do things with a bass I've never seen anyone do. That sounds like uh, that sounds like the cell phones kind of like that guy with his acoustic bass. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, so amazing! Yeah, yeah. Well, Mike had just like he turned it into like he would play lead and rhythm at the same time, and it was very it was odd. It was odd how he did it. Capo on the bass, no one could figure it out. But uh, in any way, I think you would, uh, we, we are, well, all I'm saying is we are receptive to interesting two-piece bands. Let's do it. We'll have our people call your people. <laughs> it sounds, that sounds like a plan. Now, you made Unreliable Narrator. Do you have, we didn't really talk much about it, did we? I kind of asked about the notions of urgency and fear and joy. Is there anything we should talk about, about the record in terms of it being a progression? Like, I, I mean, uh uh, jaw or Garth, you joined in 2011. Uh, did, did have you, Josh, noticed a major shift in the way you approach recording and songwriting since uh, since Garth joined the band? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, and I think things have gotten even more collaborative. You know, as as we've um, you know been playing together the last five years, um, they well, you know, and it was interesting when we started recording together as the rutabaga um you know i garth had recorded space and noise productions back in like 2001 so really it had been like 10 years since we'd done any recording together or you know really anything creative together so it was kind of a little we did like a like a four was it four song ep to kind of test the waters and see like okay like what is this like now is this something that we want to do ourselves um you know because i i knew that garth had been recording uh for a long time and and but it yeah just wasn't really sure what what it was going to be like and and that that experience was really good so we were like well let's start working on an album and that was um brother the lights don't work which uh I think that came out in 2013. Um, that that was a that that's a that's a successful record. I mean, you have multiple pressings. Uh, people really like that record. Yeah, it was it was it, uh, the whole that whole experience was was really great. It, I mean, you know, we're we're not a popular band by any stretch of the imagination, but it was just it was really nice to to have people that we cared about respond to it and i mean it's hard to talk to say things like that without you know sounding uh conceited or whatever but i mean that was just a a, it was a great experience to it felt like we created the record that we wanted to to make and and um it meant a lot to both of us and 
yeah, it's a, it, it was it was really nice to have other some other folks respond to that as well. Yeah. Well, it's a fan, the fan, the records are so great. The 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 band's fantastic. Josh, you mentioned that you are working on a song that you haven't recorded yet. Uh, this is normally the portion of the program where I ask someone what's coming up next. Do you have thoughts about that? Are, are there plans afoot to to get in a studio and and make a new album? At I think at at this point we're we're just starting to to work out some new songs and and um, you know. T- kind of uh get arrangements together to you know start adding some you know some new stuff into our set uh so we've we've mainly just been doing shows and kind of starting to work on new songs so we haven't we haven't really talked about what's next as far as recording or anything like that right well, I mean, as we've established already, you guys have a leg up because one of your members is a multi-instrumentalist. <laughs> and recording engineer. Oh my god. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be a piece of cake once you got a guy like that in your in your midst. I mean, no one can mess with you. He also makes really good uh butterscotch pecan cookies. That was my wife. Oh, well, <laughs> never mind. We'll edit that out. Can't do it can't do it all. Can't do it all, clearly. Multi-baker. <laughs> <laughs> well, once again, the new album by the Rutabaga is called Unreliable Narrator, and it's out uh, now. It's out now via Comedy Minus One Records. The band is playing live on October 15th in South Bend, Indiana, on October 20th in Chicago, and October 21st in Matawan, Michigan. For more information about them, visit ComedyMinusOne.com. Uh, guys, normally I ask people to pick a song from their record that we've been talking about for us to go out on, can you come to a consensus? I, I'm going to throw this. I'm going to throw the floor open, see if both of you can pick a song together from Unreliable Narrator for us to play. Um, maybe problem solving skills. How much time do you have? Some of them are a little long. <laughs> yes, I, I'm aware of that. It's uh, it's up to you. Whatever you like. Let's yeah, let's go with problem solving yeah. skills. <laughs> Okay, why did that come to mind? Just because you had a problem and you both had to solve it right now? <laughs> we usually solve we solve most of our problems with uh, paper, rock, scissors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's interesting. In Canada, we call it rock, paper, scissors. Rock is dominant. Well, that's clearly why uh, you guys are the more advanced country. <laughs> we went, no, I think paper is more advanced than rock, frankly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think maybe you guys have a leg up on us. Uh, in any case, <laughs> this is Problem Solving Skills by the uh, by the Rutabaga. Josh, Garth, thank you very much for being on the show. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see you up here. Best of luck with everything you guys do. All right. Thanks so much, Vish. You're the best. Thank you so much.
new music there by The Rutabaga. That was problem-solving skills from their new album, Unreliable Narrator, which is out now via Comedy Minus One. Thanks again to Josh and Garth for being on the show. That band scratches many of my musical itches. I enjoy... I didn't mean to gross you out there, but I really enjoy The Rutabaga, so check them out. Hopefully you were intrigued by everything you just heard, and we'll go and check them out. This is the 282nd episode of Creative Control with Vishkana, and this show would not be possible without the generous support of The Bookshelf, which is an independently owned cultural hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph, Ontario. It is a movie theater. It is a bookstore. It is a bar. It is a music venue. It is a restaurant. They cover it all, and you should learn more about them. Go learn more about them. And their hours, their listings, they have blogs, they have book reviews, their directions to the place, accessibility to the place. You can also order books from their online store from anywhere in the world. For more information, visit bookshelf.ca. The show would also not be possible without the generous support of Phil at Pizza Trocadero. Pizza Trocadero is the finest pizzeria in all of Guelph, Ontario. If you've heard the show, you've heard me talk about Pizza Trocadero for for three damn years now and it's still the best pizza I just got an email from someone who said he moved here to Guelph from Brockville was a fan of my show and checked out Pizza Trocadero and he agreed best pizza he'd ever had so go to Pizza Trocadero if you can if you're in Guelph go visit them at 7 Municipal Street or visit them online at trocaderoguelph.ca for more information best pizzas I swear to god Call them at 519-829-2444 for pickup or delivery. If you want to learn more about this show, go to vishkana.com. There you will discover how you can download, stream, and review, and recommend, and tell people about this show because it's there for you to have on iTunes and via audioboom.com. And of course, my website, vishkana.com, is maybe the easiest place to see all the uh, episodes archived there and listen to them. You can also go to my website to figure out how to make a flexible monthly donation to our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com. I'll cut, just cut to the chase. Go to patreon.com and find Creative Control of Vishkana there. And please consider making a donation to keep the podcast going. Also, Creative Control of Vishkana is on Facebook and on Twitter at Vishcreative. And a version of this show airs every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time via cfru.ca or if you're in the region at cfru 93.3 fm in guelph 250 watts of community power that's all i have to say for now there'll be more stuff coming of course more episodes more stuff and i'll tell you more about it next week but keep tabs on the show with all the stuff i just said and you'll you'll be in the loop all right thank you for listening thank you to the rutabaga goodbye for now 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.